Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. All right. So don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. But how many of you have a habit that you just wish you could quit? How many of you have a temptation in your life that you wish you could just get under control? I've had a bad habit basically my whole life, all right? It drove my mom crazy when she was young. It drives Amber crazy now that we're married. I've had some of you tell me that it drives you crazy as well. And when I tell you this, you'll be like, oh yeah, I've seen it. And also there's going to be some people, there's someone in this room right now, we'll not name her name, but has had a journey or a mission to try to get me to quit this habit. Since I was young, I can't stop biting my nails. I don't know if you're with me or not on this one. I just have not been able to kick it. When I was young, about seven years old, some of you know this story about my life. My mom decided she wanted to help me quit this, and she said, Scott, if you cannot bite your nails for one whole day, I will buy you those shorts you want from the sports store. I said, what a great proposition. This is the real deal. Let's go. I want them. So I said, okay, deal. I'll take it. We begin the day. But a deal that felt very doable, very reasonable, was quickly cut short because I found myself biting my nails. Now my mom, in all of her graciousness, said, Scott, I'll give you another chance, but this time I'm going to up the price. I'll buy you two pairs of those shorts that you want. Okay. I'm going to take this more seriously. I'm going to get this. And so some of you know this, that I took my sleeves of my shirt and I tied them at the end of my hands, okay? I tied them because I thought, I can do without my hands for a full day. I need to get these shorts. So they're tied and this works. For quite some time, this works. I'm just, they're just balled up. But I need my hands at some point, right, during the day. So I'm like, okay, I need my hands. So I untuck, uh, untie the shirt. I go about my day, but you know what happens. Before long, I lose focus. And before I know it, I'm starting to bite my nails. And that day ended with no prize for Scott. And I've never forgotten that day. I remember that day because I think even at an early age, I started to learn and understand this battle, this idea of how hard it is to fight these temptations. And I began to learn these lessons, and this is what I want to talk about today as we continue on into our last week of this or that. Our last week, we've been talking about this or that for 10 weeks. We've been talking about how God wants to do a work in us through the Holy Spirit to produce something in us that will change our life, that will allow us to live life the way God designed us to live. Because God did not design us to always feel like we're in defeat. But he wants us to have victories as we follow him. 
And so this is the last week I'm going to give you perspective and context on our core text, Galatians chapter 5, the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian region. See, Paul wrote this letter, Galatians, that we know of because he went on a missionary journey. His first journey was to go and share the message of Jesus because his life was changed. Now he was going to go through all the world and he would go, he, his first journey was, was in this Galatian region and people were listening to his message and lives were being changed but also some people hated the message that he was bringing they tried to kill him on this journey they tried to stone him they tried to defeat him it did not work Paul left the region after many lives were changed and now he's gone and he wants to write them a letter he wants to write them a letter because he needs to encourage them He wants to write them a letter because he wants to give them the expectations of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. He wants to write them because he knows there's more for them. And so he's writing them, and in specifically Galatians chapter 5, what we've been looking at, he's writing them and saying, hey, in Jesus, in this message that you have listened to, there is freedom in the message and the following of Jesus. But he also tells them, when you receive this freedom, Now you have a choice to make. How are you going to use this freedom? Are you going to use this freedom to follow the flesh, like yourself, your instincts? Or are you going to use it to follow the Spirit? And so what he does is he gives a picture of what it looks like to follow your own flesh, your own like desires and instincts, your broken nature, and what it looks like to follow the Spirit, be empowered by the Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit produce in us. Because, listen, Paul knows what we need to know, what they needed to know, is that life is filled with choices, this or that. Life is filled with choices, and so what we've been talking about for nine weeks, and now this is the tenth and final week, is giving a picture of what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit produce its nature who the Holy Spirit is, to transform our lives as we make those choices. So that's where we're going today, the last week. And so we're going to go Galatians 5. Feel free to go there as we always do. But before we go there, the very last week, we get to play this or that together, okay? The very last week. I just, I've had so much fun doing this with you, but I'm telling you, it's made a difference in my life. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago, this won't make sense to you, but I'm putting toilet paper on the roll this week. I'm on the holder. I put it on. And, and I, put, I realized I put it with it coming out under. I never would have had a second thought about this because my answer that day, if you don't know, once again, but we talked about toilet paper, I would have been like, I don't care. But I see it and I'm like, my church won't have this. 90% of the people raised their hands, it's got to go over, I'm like, fine. I literally walked back, and I flipped it over, and then walked away. So, if, if, if nothing else happened, at least my toilet displacing habits were changed in this, all right? So, this is our last week of this or that. If you don't know what to do, you're watching online, you just raise your hand of what thing you're going to choose, and all this is do is reinforcing is decisions in life. So, if you're in the room, you got to pick one, okay? This is going to be Thanksgiving themed, okay? Because I'm not speaking on this next week. So we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, okay? you got to choose on Thanksgiving Day when to have the meal, right? 
you cook this food, and you're like, when are we going to have it? Some people like the midday lunch-ish, 12 to 2-ish kind of in there, and some people like to have it at dinner, right? So we have, who here likes the midday kind of lunches? You like it there? Okay. Wow. Okay. Who here, you could do the dinner thing. Do the dinner thing. Wow, much more. Th- I didn't realize that. Okay. So that, that's the first one. Um, the second one is this. You've, you're done dinner. I mean, you're done the meal, and you have to have some dessert. And, and there's lots of options, I'm sure, but you've got pumpkin pie, and you've got pecan pie, right? There's one really good answer here, but I'll let you choose. Here's the, who's the pumpkin pie people, okay? And then who are the right people with pecan? I knew I loved you. I love you. Yes, okay. So I actually thought that was going to be the opposite, so I'm learning that we're, we're in rhythm together. Okay, and the last one's this. We actually got in a little discussion, a little argument I didn't actually win this battle with the staff this week. You have turkey. And there are two options while you eat this turkey meat. You've got what? The white meat and the dark meat. And there's very much a right answer to this one, all right? Who here, you eat the white meat? You, you prefer the, okay. Who here is the right answer eating the dark meat? Come on, this is, this is us, all right? So, okay, I got it. I know who I'm hanging out with. I actually want to hang out with the white meat people because then I get all the dark meat, right? So... So last this or that, I've enjoyed it. Let's move on. Galatians chapter 5, continue with our last thing the Holy Spirit wants to produce. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. The Holy Spirit wants to produce self-control in us as we live through life's temptations. I was up in the front office a couple weeks ago, and someone from the church was up there, and we got talking, and she's talking about what God had been speaking to her through this series, and we're just having a good conversation. She's like, yeah, we got a couple left, right? I'm like, yeah. So we have gentleness, which was last week, and then the last one I said, we have self-control to end it. She's like, oh, I am not looking forward to that week. And we get that sentiment, right? This week, I'm walking around the office, and, and a person who comes and paints um, when we need it, he said, Pastor Scott, what have you been preaching about these days? I said, we're just finishing up 10 weeks of Fruits of the Spirit. And he said, oh, great, lots to talk about there. And, and someone who's walking with him said, yeah, we're finishing up. This last week is self-control. He said, oh, I'm glad I'm not coming to church this week. You know, this is what we think about when we come to the fruits of the Spirit. Like this sentiment of, this one is tough. It's almost like Paul waited to the last one for us to have the one that maybe we wrestle with most. And we all have our story. We all have our thing. We all have what we wrestle with differently. But we all have this battle of self-control. A couple of months ago, I saw another social media trend, and maybe you saw it. It was called Don't Eat the Chocolate. Did you see this? Where, where, where parents would put chocolate in front of their kids. And they would say to the kids, don't eat, this chocolate is yours, but don't eat it until I come back in the room. They put the chocolate in front of the kids. Did you see this? They walked out of the room, and the video just shows the kids looking at the chocolate. 
You see the turmoil in their face. You even hear some of them talking to themselves, right? Of like, I want to eat it. I don't want to eat it. I want, what would mom and dad going to do if I eat it? It's all this conversation. You see these kids and the battle going on and you can just resonate with like, yeah, I get that. You see some kids have great willpower and some have none at all. That video, what explains life more than seeing a kid wanting to have the treat the parent leaves for them, but they can't until the parent comes back. Now, Paul would not have known anything about the don't eat the chocolate social media trend. He came a little bit before, but here's the deal. When we read what Paul's writing in Galatians chapter 5, we have to realize that Paul knows exactly what the battle of self-control looks like. What we have to know is that Paul is not writing, hey, the Holy Spirit wants to produce self-control in you so you can live in the freedom that he's given you. He's not writing from a place of superiority. He's not writing from a place of just like, I've got this, now you've got to get this. He is in the exact same battle as the rest of us. You know how I know that? Because of another letter he wrote to the Romans, okay? He wrote to the church in Rome his personal battle with this. So just like Galatians, he writes a letter to the Romans. He sends a woman to go to Rome. She reads it to all the churches. And this is what he said. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can you relate to those words. Can you relate to those words? I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in that place? We have, in your mind, you know what you want to do, but it doesn't always play out. In verse 18, it continues, for I have the desire to do what is good but I cannot carry it out. I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. In verse 24, he ends it with, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? This is the turmoil that Paul is in. Paul is writing in Galatians that the only way we can truly experience life and freedom is to find the self-control of the Holy Spirit that he wants to produce in us. Paul knows the battle that's going on. He's right there with us in it. He's right there with the Galatians in this battle. But also we need to understand that Paul has a perspective on this battle that we need to understand as well. If we keep reading in this letter to the Romans in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. Paul struggles just like the rest of us, but he also understands that we don't have to just give in and say, this is life. To be defeated is life. We, it's just what comes with it, you better get used to it. Life is not just 
me giving into my temptations like they own me. He says, no, you have an obligation. As a follower of Jesus, you have an obligation. As someone who's given their life to Jesus, you have an obligation. But that obligation is not to yourself, not to your flesh, not to your broken instincts, not to just who you are instinctively. You aren't just have to give into your destructive habits. See, you can find life if you put to death the misdeeds of your body that your flesh tells you to live out. Paul battled, but Paul also had a perspective on how we should live life. Listen, this is what I'm hoping happens today, is I want you to see that you are not the only one that battles every day. Sometimes we can look at our life and we can say, look, I have so many things I'm battling, so many struggles that I have, and we think other people have it easier than me. This is not the case. I want us to understand that Paul has a battle. We're going to continue to talk about the the battle that's going on, but I also want us to understand the second part is we always don't have to live in defeat in these battles. Everybody has self-control battles, but that doesn't mean we have to live in defeat. There is a way to live in victory. And for me, that means the picture of victory is found in the person of Jesus. Now, when I say this, I don't want it to be like Sunday school, cliche, like, yeah, I get it, Jesus is perfect. Listen. We have to remember that when Jesus came, he came in total humanness. He came and battled things in life just like us. Listen, Hebrews chapter 4 says this, For we do not have a high priest. We don't have a Messiah. We don't have a rescuer. We don't have the words that this writer put as high priest, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, he did not sin. Do you know that Jesus dealt with temptation just like you and I did? Jesus, in Jesus, we have a Savior who understands temptation He understands what it's like to live in temptation. But in Jesus, we also have one where we can have a picture of what it's like to live in temptation, but not have to sin. Do you remember the story? It's a vivid story of Jesus going into the wilderness and being tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 3. Um, we see that Jesus is just about to start his ministry, and it says that he's getting baptized by John the Baptist, okay? Matthew chapter 3 shows that people are getting baptized. Jesus is also getting baptized by John the Baptist, and when he gets baptized, it says that the, the skies opened up, and the Holy Spirit fell and came on Jesus, Before he went out and did everything that he was going to do, the Holy Spirit comes and falls on him. And the very next thing it says in chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, it says, Then, so after that, then Jesus was led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up, uh, lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, Do not put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Listen, Matthew has a specific purpose in why he is writing this gospel. And in this case, I think what he's trying to get people to see is the humanness of Jesus that if you're reading this letter that Matthew is writing, his gospel of who Jesus is, why he has come, why he's valid, why he's legitimate, why you should trust him, why you should give your life to him, you'll see that he is human, that he is walking through everything that humans walk through, but also that you can see a Savior who at in his humanness walks through everything, but also gives a picture of how you can walk through life and not sin. He gives a picture of if Jesus can do this and we give our life to Jesus, then you can have this same experience in life. You are giving yourself to someone who was human, but also the savior of this earth. And in him, this is how you can live life. So back to Paul. Paul says, you don't have an obligation to the flesh. If we put to death the misdeeds of the flesh, we can experience life. We can experience life just like we see Jesus walk through life. Now my question this week then, as I walked through this text, I said, why was Jesus successful? What made Jesus successful? How was Jesus successful? successful. And what we need to understand first is that the reason he was successful, the very first thing is he was filled with the Spirit. This is what we've been talking about. From the very beginning of September, beginning of this fall, we've been talking about the essence of growing and developing and maturing and becoming what God's designed us to do. We need to be filled with the Spirit, and this is what Jesus has. It says that he was baptized and the Holy Spirit fell on him. And then it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was never by himself. He had the power of the Spirit leading, guiding, and filling. This is what he had. So Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And we see this in Jesus' life as he is with the Spirit. We see the fruit of the Spirit coming out of his life. How was Jesus successful? The first thing was he was filled with the Spirit. The second thing I think we see is that he was aware of his enemy. Jesus knew who the devil was. Knew who Satan was. Knew who his enemy was. And the more the enemy talked, the more he knew that this was the enemy. 
Jesus would have known John's words later, how John described it in John 10.10, that the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus knew this. He knew what the enemy was about. He knew in these conversations, this was not what God wanted me to live out. This enemy is against me living out the way that God called me to live. He knew he had an enemy. He was aware he had an enemy. And the third thing I think Jesus understood why he's successful is he knew what his life was about. As I look at Jesus walk through this, he knew what his life was about. If you read other parts of the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus says over and over and over again, I have come to do the Father's work. Jesus knew what his life was about. Jesus' life had purpose had reason, had goals, had mission. And it was directly connected to the words of the Father. So it's easy for him. When the enemy is tempting him, he's like, no, this is what you want me to do, but this is what the Word of God said, and I am to live out the Word of God in how I'm living my life because that was my purpose in coming here. Jesus was successful because he was filled with the Spirit. That is where the power comes from. He knew he had an enemy. He identified it. And thirdly, he knew what his life was about. He had trajectory. He had goals. He had vision that he was looking on ahead. This is what life is supposed to be about. And when the life that was, he was tempted with did not add up to the life that he was supposed to live, then he would say, no, that's not the direction that I'm going. Jesus found success in his temptations because of how he thought, how he acted, how he, how he went about this battle. I told you at the beginning that I need you to understand two things. I want us to walk away with two things, that we are all in this battle together, that we see Paul was battling, Jesus was battling. We know that we have a battle But secondly, we need to understand, even as we battle these things, that there is victory to be found in this. You don't have to always live in defeat. And we see this in Jesus. And now I want to get really practical with you of how you and I can find victory in our everyday because you are going through some battles. And the first thing I want to tell you is that we need to have our awareness of the battle grow. In order to win the battle, our awareness of the battle needs to grow. And this is what I want to tell you. First thing is we need to be aware that you have a target on your back. You have a target on your back. You have an enemy just like Jesus had an enemy. You've got to understand that it's not your fault that you're being tempted. You have an enemy that wants to tempt you. If we don't totally own that you have an enemy that's trying to destroy you in your life, if we are not aware of this, then temptation will come at us out of shock. Versus understanding we have somebody that's against us, trying to destroy us, so when temptations come, we go, I know where that comes from because I have an enemy. The second thing you need to understand is you have a target based on your weaknesses. Did you notice in Jesus' story that the very first temptation is built on his lack of food? 
And the enemy knew that he had just spent 40 days fasting. And his first thing is, hey, I know what you need is food. Do you know that your enemy knows your weaknesses? And the question is, do you know your weaknesses? Do you know your shortcomings? We all have our things, all right? For some people, your weakness is your mouth, your tongue. You talk, you gossip, you speak in, in, in ways that you know it's like this is not healthy for me. And, you, and you, you constantly lose the battle of the tongue. For some of you, there are sexual things. That this is your weakness. And you are losing your battle all the time. For other people, it is food. For others, it is things like alcohol, drugs. For other people, it is just, just attitudes. For, can we go on and on with vices that people have? Areas of struggle that people have. Areas of places where the enemy wants to target us so he can destroy us. We all have our weaknesses. The enemy knows them, but have you identified them for yourself? Or do we try to disengage and act like we don't have them? When we act like we don't have our weaknesses, we're the only one that's avoiding them. Because our enemy is targeting those weaknesses. And I want to tell you today, I think the healthiest thing we can do is identify them, be aware of the weaknesses that we can have. So when our enemy comes at us, we can say, I know how he's coming at us because I see those weaknesses in myself. And then the third thing we need to be aware of be aware of why you are targeted. This goes back to, listen, temptation is not a sin. Do you know why you are tempted? Why you're a target? You are the created being, the image bearers of God, created in the image of God, loved by God for the purposes of God, to be in relationship with God, and your tempter, your enemy, hates how much God loves you. And so the temptations are coming at you, not honestly because you are special, it's because you are connected with the one the enemy hates the most. And so you need to understand, why does everybody have temptations? Why aren't you alone? It's because everybody that is created is created in the image of God, loved by God for the purposes of God and the enemy hates this so he's going to come at you to be tempted is not to say something bad about you it's to say something good about you you're being tempted because you are a threat and you are connected to the one that he hates and that's why he wants to destroy you that's why you have temptations that's why we battle in life. That's why when sin entered the world at the beginning in Genesis, that the temptation was there because enemy wanted to destroy Adam and Eve because they were connected to the Father and brokenness came into this world and we're still living in the byproduct of that original sin in the brokenness and you, he, the enemy wants you to be as broken as them. Wants to have the same experience to feel like I destroyed the one that God loves. That's why you're targeted. So in order to win this battle, we need to identify, be aware of you having a target on your back, why you have a target on your back, and the weaknesses that are going to destroy you if we don't own and identify and begin to let the Holy Spirit do work in us. So that's the first thing to win this battle, be aware. The second thing is when we're aware of our battles, next we need to make some choices. 
There's got to be some choices. This series is about this or that. We've got some choices to make in life. We can't just go through life saying, hey, what happens, happens. I said earlier, we don't have to just give in to the temptations all the time. We don't have to say, that's just life, and I just, I'm just that person. And this is my vice. This is the thing that keeps destroying me. We don't have to live in that defeat all the time. We can make decisions. And the first decision we have to make is, what is my life going to be about? I said this about Jesus. He knew what his life was about. We are going to have to decide what our life is about. Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church, has this quote that I love. He says, discipline, we also look at self-control, discipline is simply choosing between what you want now and what you want most. I love this quote. Years ago I heard this, and I'm trying to let this play out in my life all the time, that what happens in temptations is we give into what we want then in the moment versus what we know we want most. Back to Paul, he says, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do. What is wrong with me? Because sometimes we, we lose the big picture of what we want our life to be about, and we give into the now, the simple temptation, because, they're, because it's right in front of us versus deciding what I don't want is that, what I want is this even more some point in our life, we have to chase after what we want most versus what we want just now. Maybe we're giving into temptations because we are giving into the now versus really deciding what we want most in life. What is your life going to be about? The second choice you have to make is... Will I surrender myself to the Holy Spirit? In Jesus' baptism, it was a surrendering moment. The Spirit came and empowered him, filled him, led him. We have to decide, are we going to let the Holy Spirit be our guide in life? Are we going to submit? Here's a quote I read this week. It says, every temptation is an invitation to surrender to God. We can look at temptation as a negative thing and something that defeats us, or we can look at it as an invitation to once again surrender ourselves to God. We aren't going to get around things tempting us in life. So why don't we flip our perspective, and when we get into one of these battles, we say to ourselves, okay, I know what life is, I want life to be about. And maybe I need to take this opportunity and this temptation as an invitation to speak. And even I have to speak out loud sometimes and say, God, I surrender this to you. I'm going to take this temptation as an invitation to surrender my life to God. Will I surrender myself to the Holy Spirit so it can begin to produce in me self-control? And the third thing is, what will I actively pursue while I resist the enemy? What will I actively pursue while I re resist the enemy? Listen, we don't have to be just reactive, we can be proactive. Do you know that? We don't have to be just reactive to temptations, we can be proactive. We don't have to just resist and wait for the moment, we can fill our lives with disciplines that allow us to live in victory. I was talking to Amber, my wife, about this the other night, and she's like, Scott, the biggest thing that I do is, is I found that it's not just like resisting, but it's actually filling myself with the disciplines, and that night I walk in, it's like 9 o'clock or 8.30 or something, and I look and she's sitting in bed, I'm like, what are you doing? And I see her Becoming book, and I see her Bible, and I see the devotion. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. 
My wife is even better than me about being disciplined, about filling herself with things that will proactively protect her in this self-control battle. And she'd be the first to admit, she's not perfect about this. I said, Amber, can I talk about it? She's like, I'm not, like, I, I have lots of areas to get better. I said, yeah, but Amber, I see this in your life. You do things that you fill your life up so that when you're not just reacting to things, but you're filling yourself and you're actively pursuing something that helps you in your battle of self-control. And so what do you have to do? Do, what are you going to actively pursue in your disciplines so that you're not just resisting or reacting, but you're being proactive? You've got to figure this out. Because if you wait until the moment of the temptation, it's really, really hard. It's, self-control is really, really, really hard. But here's some good news I want to end with today. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure. Listen, this verse has been misused so many times in life. It's like, we won't have temptations, that's too much that we can bear. Yes, but no. Yes, every temptation is too great for you to bear. But Jesus said, uh, Paul said that Jesus is faithful, that he'll give you a way out. Do you know what that way out is? The work of the Holy Spirit empowering you. Do you know the same spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness, the same spirit that empowered Jesus is literally the exact same spirit that God says, I want to give this spirit to you and I want this spirit to be what guides you, convicts you, directs you, helps you in life. Listen, our hope in life is not in us getting stronger. Our hope is found in being empowered by the Holy Spirit for the purposes of being created new. This whole series, this whole series coming to an end now is about the Holy Spirit wanting to create new, a new you. That we don't have to be of the flesh, we can be of the Spirit. That we can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can have these things in our lives. This can be true for you. It's not about you getting stronger, it's you being empowered by the Holy Spirit so that a new you can be created. That is the essence of Paul's letter in Galatians chapter 5. If you want to live in freedom, then let the Holy Spirit do a work. But you've got to surrender to the Spirit. You've got to decide what you want most in life. You have to actively be pursuing the goodness of what God wants to do in you through the Spirit. And some of you have some struggles, and I'm not going to make just this about self-control. I'm going to make this about all of them. But struggle, some of you, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control. Some of you have these struggles, and I want to end this series with just an encouragement to you that when the Holy Spirit moves in our life, 
things can change, but you have got to be the person that says, I invite this in my life, God, or you're going to be exactly who you are today, a year from now. The same battles you're going to have, you have today, you're going to have down the road because your hope is not found in you getting stronger. It's found in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to create something new in you. So we're going to end in worship today. I'm going to invite you just to really invite the Holy Spirit to do something in your life. And how we do this here, if you're new to One Hope, is these altars are always open. I think there's something special of coming forward and saying, God, I'm actively pursuing you, and I'm putting myself down on the altar and saying, God, you do a work in me. This is what I need. So it can be about a self-control issue in your life, or it can be about something even bigger that we've talked about for 10 weeks. But as we end, can we end in a powerful way that says, Holy Spirit, I give myself to you. You please do something more in me because I don't want to live in defeat. I want to live in the freedom that Jesus came to give. So you stand with me. I'm going to end in prayer. We're going to end in worship. And you just respond. But please take this moment just to do whatever God is speaking to you. Heavenly Father. Speak to your children. Speak to those that you love dearly. God, you have something more for us, but God, it can't just be about what we are doing. It has to be about releasing ourselves to your spirit. So I pray that what you've spoken of the last 10 weeks, God, will dig deep roots in us and that, God, we will desire to be created new in you by the work of the Holy Spirit. So God, speak to us as we end this worship time today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.